0: Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit roxboroughchurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Father, we thank you. We ask, Lord, that you just continue to meet us here as we continue in worship. Father, we ask that as we delve into your word, that you will open our hearts, that we might be able to hear your voice clearly. And Lord, we just ask that you will move and that we will respond. Lord, allow me to decrease and you increase. Lord, we thank you. And we thank you for the opportunity to be here. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, we began to talk about being made alive in Christ as we go through Ephesians. And so last week we were able to see that Paul let us know how we're able to be changed. In the first three verses of chapter 2, he let us know our condition, what our condition was. And then he lets them know, the Ephesian church know, that but God, this God who was rich in mercy, this God who extended his grace, that he provided a way for them to have a relationship with God. And then he went on and said that uh, that they were his workmanship. And, And so the workmanship God has has made people to be a part of is his work. It's not our work. And so we talked about that when a person gets saved, they're not saved because of good works. They are saved to good works and that the works emanate from God being in their lives, and so as we pick up here this morning, we we pick up with the theme of one in Christ, because what Paul actually does, he lets us know that to the Ephesians and to us that, listen, this is how oneness occurs. Oneness only comes about what Christ did at the cross, and then he begins to lay out the story and begin to lay out what has taken place with the Ephesians. And so we pick up that verse 11 and the subject today is one in Christ. One in Christ. Paul says this, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to this covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Paul lets them know. He says, Therefore, And anytime you see therefore, it's talking about, it ties in directly to what he said previous. And so we know that Paul was talking about how they had been created, the Ephesians, they were now part of God's overall program, his his purpose. And they were God's workmanship and, and God had called them and God had chosen them. And through them, as they let go, and let God God was going to use them for his divine purpose and so but he 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 takes them back to their former condition first and what he says he says I want you to remember something Ephesians I already told you what your condition was prior to this but I I need to let you know something because this deals directly with what was going on between the Jews and the Gentiles And what I need to say here is that it was God's choice to choose the Jews. To be the ones who would be the example or the representative for those nations around them uh, uh, for God. In other words, if I can use the term missionaries, the Jews were supposed to be missionaries. If I can use that term, they were supposed to represent a relationship that, that one could have with God. However, what happened with the Jews, now, now I want you to hear this clearly, what happened with the Jews was they took something that was supposed to be good, which was the law, and, and the law could not be kept by them. Let's, let's make that straight no one could keep the law. The law was to let them know that they couldn't keep it. The law was for the purpose to let them know that they actually were depraved. The law was there in place to let them know how much they needed God and that they were sinners. And so when we look what they did with the law, they actually took the law and made it into something that it was never supposed to be, and that was a cause a division between them and all the other people groups. But that's what they did. In other words, if you want to use the term prejudice, that's what happened. The Jews became prejudice. The Jews set up a wall between them and the other nations. And if you notice what the text said, the Jews actually said, wait a minute, we are the circumcision we are of the circumcision and you are uncircumcised and just to let you know what that is circumcision. if most people probably know what that is it's it's when it's the skin that the male has that's over the genitalia of the male and what it's cut off and that was to represent who they were as Jews before God because God is the one who directed them to do that Now, guess what? The males are still born with that today, and it's cut off in the hospital. However, some people, some men still have that skin, even though they're adults. It was never cut off. So circumcision was for the purpose of representing something. But what the Jews did, they took that now, which was an outside sign of who they were to be with God, they took it and made it a division between them and the other nations. And that's what was going on. And so Paul lets them know that. And he says, I want you to remember that because it set up a barrier. It set up a barricade. You ever see barricades when, when there's a, an event downtown or somewhere in the community and the police will set up barricades. The reason why they put the barricades there is to keep people out and, they, and to protect what's going on inside of the barricade. Well, that's what the Jews did. They set up a barricade between them and the other nations. And that's what, what, that wasn't supposed to happen. Now, I want to say something here that's going to sound interesting. Because they became religious, they actually caused people to move away from God. I want you to, listen, I want you to take that in. They became religious... And they cause, instead of helping people to move close to God, they cause people to move away from God. See, when you become religious, you cause people to move away from God because it's not about religion. It's about relationship. See, Jesus wants to, he desires a relationship between us. He does not desire religion. Religion is a problem because when you look at religion, it's how we want to approach God. Wasn't that the whole issue with Cain in the Bible? Look at the interaction between Cain and God. The reason why Cain did what he did is because he wanted to do what he wanted to do and did not do what God had requested him to do. So now he gets upset because God would not accept his offering. Why? God, why can't you accept I want to come to you the way that I want to come to you. And God said, that's not going to happen. And God told him, he said, listen, all you have to do is get it right. All you have to do is bring me what I asked you to bring me, and you you don't have to deal with what you're dealing with. He said that there's sin creeping at your door, and you must master it. Isn't that what God said? Now, notice that. So why do people get so upset with God when he doesn't do something? God, why did you allow this to happen? Why did you do this, God? Why could you rescue it? Did he rescue Cain? It's the same God from the very beginning. Why did he not rescue Cain? He didn't do that. No, no. He said, listen, Cain, I'm giving you a warning. There's sin creeping at your door. You are the one who has to master this. Just do the right thing and everything's fine. But Cain didn't do that. So because God had a standard and it wasn't kept, God now had to give a consequence. And yet, within the consequence, we see grace. But I, I got to move on. So this is what's taking place. And so, so we see that, that they took circumcision and used it the wrong way. And, and they actually used it to separate themselves from the other nations. And so they became religious, and, and it caused the other nations to not want to bother with them. Now there were some people individually who entered into Judaism. They're known as proselytes. A proselyte is a Gentile who, who is circumcised and who becomes a Jew. They accept Yahweh. So there was some of that, but for the most part, they separated themselves from the Gentile. And isn't it interesting, even in the temple, they had a place of the Gentiles They would not allow Gentiles in where the Jews worshipped. They did not worship together. And so there was a separation. The Jews had privileges, and Paul talks about that. He, He says first, look at what it says in the text, in verse 12. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ. He's letting the Gentiles know you were separated from Christ. They didn't have Christ. They didn't have any opportunity to know Christ because of the system that had been established by the Jews all right and then what does he say you were excluded from citizenship in Israel they weren't allowed to be a part of it see these were the privileges that Israel had Christ was going to come through the line of of David was going to come through the Jewish line And so that's what made them feel special because God was going to allow the Messiah to come through them. And and that set them apart from all the other nations. And so they actually became presumptuous and, and they became all stuck up and full of themselves. And that's not what God wanted. He wanted the opposite. And so now they were, they were citizens of, they couldn't become citizens, full citizens of Israel. And then he says, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, the Jews had, were going to receive the covenant of the promises. Now what are the covenants? If you're familiar with the covenants in the Old Testament, you have the, you have the Abrahamic covenant, you have the Mosaic covenant, you have the Davidic covenant, you have the Palestinian covenant and then ultimately you have the new covenant that comes from Christ. So the, the, there's the covenants that comes through the promise because God had promised these things to the nation of Israel through Israel, but it was for the purpose of the other nations too. And so we see here that they were cut off from that, and Paul has let them know about that. And then what do we, does he say? He says, without hope and without God in the world, the Gentiles didn't have any hope. The Gentiles didn't have God. They had God's little g, but they didn't have the living God. See, the living God was different than the other gods. The, the other gods that they had were man-made because they served idols. They made idols, and, and so actually, they were serving themselves. But isn't that what humanity does? Humanity create their own idols. We're no different because Paul is actually talking to us too. Yes, he's talking to the Ephesians, but he's also talking to those who are Gentiles. And all of us, unless someone in here is a Messianic Jew, all of us were Gentiles. So he's talking to all of us because we were Gentiles. We were without hope. We had had no way for God to do anything with us. Because we weren't the chosen ones They were the chosen ones Separated Divided Don't we see that today? What do you think racism is? Isn't racism division? Where does it come from? It comes out the flesh, doesn't it? And aren't we all fallen? And so if you are saved Why do you expect people to be different? See, think about it. Because they were separated back then. So, why do we think that people who don't know Christ will genuinely desire to be united? Because, really, the whole context of Ephesians is talking about unity. And so, when we look at unity, what Paul is about to do, he's about to let us know this is what Christ did. Because, what happens? Look at what he says next. He says in verse number 12, but now, but now. Remember the other but we saw? But God, but God. Now we see but now. So, so because of what God did, something happened. We were able to enter into a position That would change the whole trajectory of our lives. Because of what Jesus did, and this is where Paul is going, because of what Jesus does, something is going to change. And, And so we see, but now, this is the position that the Ephesians were at that point when he's writing this. Because he had told them to remember what took place. Remember where you were. You know, it's good for us to remember, too. Some of us were really out there in sin. Some of us can look back and and can see, whoa, man, what I was doing and where I was. And and, and guess what? You're not going to forget that stuff. Okay? But the fact is, you were far away. We were far away from God. And let me know something. I've been in church all of my life. But guess what? I was far away from God because being raised in church gives you an attitude that somehow you're close to God than everybody else because you're in church. See, and being in church doesn't do nothing. It's being in Christ. So if we weren't in Christ but in church, we're still far away from God. And people have that stuff mixed up, that thinking about because they sit in a church pew right. and that they've been sitting there all their lives, that somehow they're close to God and they can be the devil sitting in the pew. Right. Wow. So we got to make sure we know what the deal is. No, it's not about church. Right. It's not about what we're doing in church. It's, it's not about whether you're ushering or deacon or whether you're an elder. It's not about any of that. Right. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and accepted him and received him into your, your life, then guess what? You can go to hell from the church pew. We need to understand that. So many people look view Christianity from the wrong lens. And we're living in a society where there's cultural Christianity. And if you're in cultural Christianity, guess what? A lot of people who are in cultural Christianity, they don't really know Christ. Right. They're religious. Yes! Hallelujah! Come on, brother. And the enemy loves to deceive because that's what he does. Right. He wants to deceive people who are in church that they're okay. Right. And they're really not. Right. See, and the fact is we have to understand what Paul is getting ready to say. He's saying, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, talking about a spiritual bar- a barrier, not a physical barrier like I said earlier. It was a barrier, but it was a spiritual barrier that they put up between themselves and the other nations. And so he was saying is, you were once far away. But you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ changes everything. It's through the blood of Christ. The only way to get to God is through the blood of Christ. The only way to actually have unity is through the blood of Christ. Now, guess what? Let's be real. Let's be real. If we have gone through the blood of Jesus Christ, and we've been made whole because of what he did at the cross, because he took our sin, and and he took it, and now when God sees us, he sees us through the blood, so now we have a spiritual connection with God. Why is it that we have so many problems when it comes to dealing with people? Why why don't we understand it? Well, I'm, I'm going to raise that up because of what we're getting ready to get into now. Because when we see what happened, we see here that in verse 14, for he himself, which is Jesus, is our peace. Who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now, now the law itself was not hostile. You got to understand that. The law wasn't the hostility. It was the cause of the hostility. The hostility came from... The Jews and how, what they did with the law. That's what made it hostile. And so what this says is that this spiritual barrier that was established by the Jews between them and the Gentiles, here comes Christ. He goes to the cross. And through the blood of Christ, he comes down. And what he's going to do is create something new so that the both of them can now gel together and become one. Amen. Now, how, can, how does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Because what the blood of Christ does, it evens the playing field. Now, watch this. The Jews thought they were better, right? But the Jews were far away from God, just like the Gentiles, even though they thought they were close. If they were close to God like they thought they were, why would God say you are of your father, the devil? That's what he said in John 8. He's calling, the re- He's calling these church people that are, th- that are leading the people. He's saying you are the devil. That's what he said. And they're supposed to be the ones leading them toward Jesus why would jesus say such a thing because jesus is the one who exposes jesus brings light to the table jesus brings light to our lives and so what he's done is jesus has even the playing field to let them know that you know what all y'all are sinners the gentiles just aren't sinners here He's letting the Jews know, you know what? You need me. Yeah, that's why I was coming through you, but guess what? Just because I was coming through you didn't mean that you wouldn't need me. That's why some in the Catholic Church, they believe that Mary is somebody special, that Mary somehow didn't need to accept Jesus. Just because she had Jesus it does not mean that she was sin-free. She was imperfect. Jesus inside of her was what's perfect. Jesus allowed himself to enter into somebody who was imperfect that brought a perfect work. And isn't that what he does with us? Because when we get saved, he takes imperfect vessels and uses us to do a perfect work because the work is through him. This unity that we see here. So he brings down the wall, the barrier, dividing the wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh. Get that. (laughs) It took the flesh of a perfect human to accomplish the work of God spiritually. It had to be a human Jesus was that human Yeah, he was God But he was human There had to be an absolutely perfect human To accomplish This, what was needed And that's why when you look at the old system In the Old Testament That's why it had to be a lamb That was perfect You couldn't just throw any old kind of lamb up there this old messed up, emaciated, you're going to offer that to God. God said, there's no way. No, it has to be a perfect lamb without blemish. I don't just accept anything. But yet, we want God to accept our, our, our half-devoted, our, our half-hearted devotion. We want God to accept every little thing we throw up to Him that, that, that's not even close to what He desires. And we want God to bless our lives, and our lives are raggedy. And he's saying, I've given you everything. You've I, I, you got everything available to you. You have it all, but it's in the spiritual realm. You have to know how to use it. And, and so what he does, he's, he breaks down these barriers. So, so listen, he didn't just break down those barriers between the Gentiles and the Jews. He breaks down the barriers of racism, of classism, of sexism. If you're a believer, you should be a sexist. If you're a believer, you should not have a problem with racism. If you're a believer, you should be unifying people, not pushing people away. But if I were to ask the question, how many of us actually are friends with people that are different ethnic groups and actually have them in our houses, how many would say that? But, you know, we, we, we say this stuff that I'm not a racist, but yet some of the things that come out of your mouth is racist. Right. That's so good. Because we don't understand each other because you're not around us. You're not around each other. So how can you know about people if you're never around people? How can you know about people if you never talk to people? If you don't take the time to get to know them, how are you going to know what they're about? How are you going to know how to minister to people if you don't know? You have to know about their culture. You have to know what they're about. You have to know how Jesus is able to enter into their culture. Because it's not going to be the same with every culture. That's why it's easy to stay in a church that's homogenous. Because everybody's alike. Yeah. Come on, brother. That work. That's why it worked. We can, yeah, we might talk to people around the water fountain, right. but we don't really talk with people. Right. All right, I'm not going there. Okay. So look at what Jesus does. He, he's able to bring them together, right? And he says he abolished this, the, in, in the flesh, the law With its commandments and regulations. It was the commandments and regulations. They created over 600 of them. Putting all this on the people. No. Look at what Jesus does. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two. Bringing the two together. Don't we see that somewhere else? Don't we see that in Genesis? When he takes the man and the woman and he brings them together and tells them to leave home? Now, he does that before it even existed. That is given before it even happens for a man to leave his home. Who else is there besides Adam and Eve when that's given? At that point, there's nobody. So he's talking about future tense. That's what it's saying there. And so we see here that Jesus is able to remove those barriers. Jesus is able to do things that we weren't able to do without him. He takes the two and makes them one, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he puts to death their hostility. Why am I having such a problem with that word today? It takes death to render death to something else. Now, we found out last week what death means. It means separation. So it it takes God's death to help us to separate from something. Now, guess what? Because of what Christ does at the cross, he's able to separate us from the enslavement of sin. Because sin is the problem. Sin is the problem between husband and wives. Sin is the problem between the kids and their their parents. Sin is the problem at work. Sin is the problem in church. Sin is the problem everywhere. Sin is the issue. And so if we really understand what Jesus is doing... He says, listen, what I'm about to do at the cross, Paul is saying what I did at the cross was to be able to bring the two who were separated to bring them together under a new system. See, when you get married, you're under a different system. You can't do the things you did when you were single. See, you might have dated five when you were single, but when you can't marry, you can't date no one, nobody else, no boy, except for that one that you are married to. But still, some guys get married, and they still think they can do some of the things they did when they were single. See, when you get married, you can't, ladies, call your mom and complain about your husband like you did when you were single before you became husband and wife. You can't do that no more. You can't do that no more. You don't need to have your parents up in your business like that. Now, where do I get that from? Well, didn't the Bible say you need to leave and cleave? It didn't just say cleave physically or leave physically. No. Part of that is emotion. I, 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 listen, you're a different unit. You have become one. In order to become one, you have to separate. And, and part of the problem in marriages, a lot of times, is that they're still hanging on to parents, and it's an improper relationship because they're enmeshed. And a lot of time, the parents can't let go. I almost lost my wife like that. And if she wasn't saved and filled with the Spirit, because it was the Spirit of God that kept her there, because she believed God, and because she knows what the Word says, and and she says what we want, and somehow I gotta stick and stay, and hopefully the knucklehead will get himself together. Oh. <laughs> You're, that's all right. It's the truth. She had to deal with me for 31 years, you know. But the fact is, this, what God is able to do, what He's showing us here, that it doesn't matter in the past how you've been separated. The fact is Jesus is the one who brings us together. That's what the word reconcile means. He has it in there. It's, it's, we are reconciled. We are brought back. right? We, we are able to be brought back. We are able to be restored. And that's what Jesus says. In this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. The fact is, those who were far away, the Gentiles, those who were close, the Jews, they now become something different. They become one. And so it says that Jesus preached peace, but it wasn't Jesus. Remember where we're at now. It's it's the Ephesian church that was started by Paul So we're looking at the apostles here So the peace that's being talked about here That is being preached It's the peace that comes through Christ But it was being preached by the apostles Because Christ is gone But the work of God is Christ in us The Christ who's in the apostles The peace that's in them, because Christ is present, it's still tied together because it's the work of Christ. And so it's still the peace of Christ that's there. And Paul is tying that dynamic in like that. And he says, listen, we have peace. So why is there peace in a home? If we have access, it it means to, to be taken to, to, to introduce, to present. It's sort of like if if, um, if I, was a, I was to be presented before a king, I couldn't just walk before the king. I would need to be presented to that king where they make an announcement. Where Jesus goes before God and makes an announcement and says, here, here's who I have, God, the Father. I'm bringing them before you. See, that's what in the name of Jesus does. Jesus creates the access for us to go before God. So if we have everything that's in Jesus, why is it that we struggle so hard? Why is it that we struggle with so much? Why is it that we don't have peace in our families? What's what's the dynamic there? Because we're not... Accessing God in the spiritual realm like we need to. See, remember last week what we said about faith? We said there's three elements to faith. We said, yeah, there's the gospel, right? The gospel has changed our lives. The gospel is what changed us. When we're born again, the gospel changes us. We have access to everything in the kingdom. So, so we're, we're changed, That's, when you're reconciled, that means there's a change. And we have been reconciled to God. So if we're reconciled to God, there has to be a change in us. Uh, how is it that we're still doing all the same stuff and it's been three years? So I have to seriously ask myself a question. Do I really believe this? Do I really, am I really exercising the faith? Because remember, biblical faith, what is it the first one is? Okay, the knowledge of the gospel, and then the other part is there has to be a heart response. I have to receive it. But then there's the third part to it. I have to be committed to it. And we used an example last week of marriage, right? I explained that to you. Okay? So faith, we have access to it. But then Paul sums everything up and he begins to talk about the church. And this is what he says to the Ephesians and he also says this to us. He says in the final three, four verses, consequently you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a whole, holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. That's a whole mouthful, isn't it? Break it down for you. He's talking about the church. Basically, he's saying that here's six pictures of the church. That's what he's given. And the first picture, he he says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. Okay, a foreigner is a sojourner. They're somewhere temporarily. Okay? They're, they're, They're migrants. That's what it means. Okay? And so now these Gentiles or these Ephesians who were Gentiles, we who were Gentiles, he's saying, you are no longer migrants you are no longer foreigners that but but fellow citizens we have been made fellow citizens it's God has taken the two and made them one it's a new nation so he took the two who were separated and made us one the Jews and the Gentiles they have become one in Christ that's the first thing that's what he says Now, I want you to to see something here, too. What made them one? It was Christ, right? There had to be something in place that made them one. There had to be something that created the process for them to become one. Now, I want to say something that's very interesting. I just want you to think about it. If it took Jesus to do something to make them one, how can migrants just walk across a border without any standard? How can a foreigner just walk in somewhere? Think uh, think about it. Because this is something that we're going through right now in our country. So, So how can, we cannot go to any other country and just walk in and be okay. You have to get a visa. You have to go in the right way. I cannot just cross the border and, every, and everything's cool and then I have access to everything. No, there, you got to go through a process, even with us. Didn't we have to go through a process when we got saved? So why do we eliminate it when it comes to other things in life? Just a thought. I'm not saying whether I'm right or wrong. I'm not putting something out there. i just putting it out there for you to think about. See, I think people forget that God has a standard and we can't just do anything the way that we want to do it. It has to be what he wants, okay? So let's see the other things. So now, as, as Gentiles, we're no longer foreigners. We are fellow citizens together, one nation, with God's people and members of God's household. Number two, we're now members of a family. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if you are Haitian. It doesn't matter if you come from Russia. It doesn't matter if you came from Europe. If you are in Christ, guess what that means? We are part of a family. That's why when we go over to Haiti, they're our family. And and, and, and they, they treat us like family. They're hospitable. They, they, they like, listen, they don't have much of anything, but what can we do for you? That's how we as believers supposed to be all the time. But why are so many of us so mean? Really? And we say we have Christ. Was Jesus mean? So if Jesus is conforming us into the image of Christ, that means I should be relinquishing my meanness. It's supposed to be, and brings us together, it's supposed to be peace, right? So if I'm having a problem with my next door neighbor and I don't like them and I hate their guts, I can't stand them, then I have to look at me. I shouldn't be looking at my neighbor because they acting like what they're supposed to be acting like. See, we can't expect people who are in darkness to be like us, but yet we're more like them than we look like Jesus. That's why they don't want to get saved. They don't want to get saved because when they look at our lives, we're the same. our lives are the same as theirs. And they're like, well, it ain't any difference. What did Jesus do for you? And they have a legitimate point. We're married, but I'm getting a divorce because of irreconcilable differences. Really? When the Bible says we're supposed to be reconciled in Christ, and we're two believers, but we're getting divorced because we have irreconcilable differences? Now, notice what I said. There can be other reasons, that, because uh, it's in the Bible, that you can get a divorce, but irreconcilable differences isn't one of them. So that means the problem isn't with the word. The problem is with me, and the problem's with her, and I'll tell you what it is. It's all selfishness, because I want what I want, and if I don't get what I get, then you got to go, and i find somebody else to give it to me. Let's be real. That's the problem. I just ran into somebody getting a divorce because their wife does not want to be married no more. In other words, I'm tired of your behind, and I don't want you. I'm I'm just being honest, y'all, I'm tired of you, I don't want to be married no more. And then I ran into somebody before, I, I just don't want to be married. What? I, you just don't want to be You made a covenant relationship. There's no problem. He's not doing nothing wrong. I just don't want to be married. That's selfishness. You can't do that. And then you're going to tell me, well, don't judge me. I'm not judging you. The Bible just did. Okay. All right. What else does he say? Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. This new nation is now built on the foundation of the New Testament prophets and the apostles. Not Old Testament because you have something new. All right. Talking about the church. So we see the picture of the church now and we see what it looks like. So now it's a new building that the foundation is laid because of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, I'm almost done. When you look at the cornerstone, the cornerstone is the first block that you lay down. So Jesus Christ is the first block to this new, this new nation, this new building. It's giving us a picture of the church. Jesus is the cornerstone. So he's the first stone that's laid. But guess what? Everything that's laid on top of that stone is what comes so he's a support. So that cornerstone is a support of the rest of the building that goes on top of it. Now catch where this is going. And then the then the cornerstone, because of it, where it's laid, produces the direction by which the building goes. Here's what Paul is saying. The church is a building, actually an organism the organism of the church grows. That means everybody in the church is a part of Now guess what? What he's talking about is discipleship. Because when you look at what he said earlier about the family, everybody in the family should have a part to play in a family. So when you have your grown-up kids living in your house and they're not doing nothing in it, than you being a bad parent because they're supposed to be contributing with that family. I'm being biblical. Look at what Jesus says. It's a family. And so what he's talking about, Paul is now saying, as a member of the family, he gave us that picture first, and then as a building, being part of this living organism... That we have a responsibility, those who are saved, we each have a responsibility as being part of that family. And guess what that is? It's to bring other people into the organism that helps it to grow bigger. That's what discipleship is. So all of us should be winning people for Christ. All of us should be making disciples. That's part of our responsibility as being a family member. That's what Paul is saying. That's the church. And then there's a couple more and then I'm out your way. So he's the chief cornerstone. And then it says, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become the holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. He's talking about corporate as well as local. He says the church is a universal body of believers. So when you look at the church overall, it's, it's across the world that the church is universal, its growth is everywhere. And, and everybody is a part of the universal church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And all of those people are family members that are brought together, it doesn't matter what country they come from, if they're in Christ, we're all brothers and sisters, and they all have the responsibility of growing the church, which means they should be disciple makers. And then he says there's the local body, which we are a part of, and we should be doing the same thing locally. And he ends with that. And he's saying you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which christ lives in his spirit each and every one of us who know christ the presence of the holy spirit is in us therefore christ is in us and everywhere we go the opportunity is there to win somebody to the lord because of the spirit that's in us that's the church Let's be be doers of the word, because that's where He called us to do. That's where that's what He wants us to do. He doesn't want us to be still in a pew. He wants us to be disciple makers, because we're part of the body. Let's pray. Father, for Your word, we ask that You will continue to grow us. Continue to renew us, continue to fill us. Father, we thank you that you are the one who is the cornerstone and everything else proceeds out of that. Father, we love you. We're grateful for all that you're doing in our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at RoxboroughChurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.